0: Hey, welcome to The Weekly, a podcast by Calvary Bible Church, where we discuss the weekend sermon and your real world lived everyday life. With your host, Pastor Jay, and a good friend, a special guest for The Weekly, let's give him a round of applause, Perry Marshall. How's it going, Perry? Hey, it's going well, Jay. So this
1: is The Weekly, huh?
0: Yeah, man. It's good to have you. Now, if you don't know that Perry Marshall, I... Host another podcast by Calvary Bible Church called Home Group Heads Up, and that's sort of just for home group leaders yeah. discussing the sermon pre-weekend. And that's not what we're doing right now? That is definitely not what oh, we're doing this man. weekend on This Weekly. The bait and switch. I know. And this is a special edition. We're going to slow down. I think this is really important um, for us to sort of examine the question and answer the question, who is Paul? Because... Um, we've sort of jumped back into acts and in case you missed out, we haven't done a really good sketch yet of the life of Paul and who is Paul. One of the things we forget most often in our faith and as we read the text or let's be honest, what I forget are these are real people most often. And that's really important for us to realize that these are human beings who lived long ago, who are called by God in a special season to do some incredible things. Yeah. Paul And like Paul is one of these guys who, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for more than two days, you read Paul and you're like, this guy is a super Christian.
1: Yeah, he wrote um, a significant portion of what we call today the New Testament. And when we dig into his life, you don't have to dig too deep to figure out that this man is a highly unlikely figure to write the majority of the new testament yeah
0: and it's sort of as you study because perry marshall is one of the individuals who writes mostly the discussion questions for weekend to weekend the sermons so he's studying usually what the the preacher man is studying and um you sort of see this sort of trend in acts where all of a sudden we're following peter 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 and then it's wait here's paul and the rest of the book is basically devoted to him.
1: Yeah, you get, you know, you go through the first eight chapters and you see a lot of Peter and some of the other apostles, Um, but then you start to see little clues dropped into Acts of this guy named Saul in chapter 8, and then chapter 9, we see his conversion. And then from then on, you don't see so much of Peter anymore or anybody else. You see Paul and those who are traveling with him.
0: Yeah, and we've got to remember as well, so we're usually looking at the trees and the forest when it's Acts, but the larger forest is this is Luke, who was a convert of Paul's. Like he came to know Paul and the Gospels
1: is Luke, right? Yeah, you know, Luke is like um well, I should say Luke is unlike a lot of the other figures that we read about in the New Testament, and that Luke is um, does not have a Jewish background, of, and he is coming at it all from a different angle, but he's meticulous as um, somebody who is providing a chronology, an account of um, everything that's going on in the early days of the church, the early years of the church. And so we can all appreciate and um, benefit from Luke's kind of meticulous personality and his meticulous practices as he's writing down what's happening and not only just recording details for us, but he's, he's also pointing out um, like one of the major points that we've been um, hitting on in the book of Acts, that God is at work. God is at work. Um, Just when it seems like the circumstances are um, something that would oppose the church and be unfavorable to the church, we see the gospel actually advancing and, of course, Luke drops in um, a very important verse at the at in uh, chapter one, verse eight, that gives us kind of a framework to think about the whole rest of the book. That the gospel is going to go out. That these early followers of Jesus are going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we're seeing that played out before our eyes.
0: Yeah. So that's a great reminder for us today. How does Acts apply today? Like. Listen, folks, you're reading the news articles I'm reading. You're watching sort of the political and the uh, world events unfold in this COVID year. And you got to realize that, like, okay, Jesus hasn't, this is not the first rodeo Jesus has used the church in for this type of situation. And it won't be the last. There are going to be many days ahead of us, maybe beyond us, that he's going to use the church in this type of climate of, like, COVID, of national, world, pandemic national unrest, you know, votes that matter, um, Supreme Court nominees that are, are are important, and all these things, all these uh, moments, um, racism. Jesus is going to use it, and he does use it, and the church will flourish in this. I promise you, folks, he, the church will flourish.
1: Yeah. Yeah, God is at work behind the scenes, even when we don't notice it, even when we don't feel it. Um And that's really important for our lives because oftentimes we don't feel it. Oftentimes we don't see it, but we can trust by reminding ourselves just going through these pages of Acts that God is in fact at work even when circumstances seem like they oppose him.
0: Yeah, and so before we get any further, there's three books I want to recommend to you if you're interested in the life of Paul that have been super helpful for me. Uh, Three that are very different from each other, but I think three that are very beneficial for your life as well as mine and good to be on the shelf. So the first one is Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll uh, wrote a book called Paul that you can find at Amazon. You can also find it in the show notes today. Um, This is a very approachable book of who Paul is. Very simple, easy to understand. Great read. If you haven't read Chuck Swindoll, he's a delight to read. Just super easy. The second one is a book that just came out this last year by N.T. Wright called Paul, a biography and Actually, I stumbled across this book in my local uh, town library in the biographical section of the library. And uh, it's written in a way to make um, Paul just very uh, simple to understand. So the big key theological ideas of Paul, the the big works of Paul, um, get whittled down into this. N.T. Wright is sort of like the C.S. Lewis of the modern world. He can take the... Cookies that are on the very, very top shelf and put them on the very lowest shelf mm, for me delicious. to read. <laughs> yeah, speaking of cookies. And then the third is a really interesting read. It's a fictional re- read by Walter Wingren. and um, it's called Paul, a fiction. You'll get the show notes today. I read this in college, and it was just wonderful to read a sort of an imagination of what Paul would have been like as you read the book of Acts. So it travels through the book of Acts as Paul and a fictional account. So um, there's some imagination. There's some fictional at play, but just it blessed my socks off. Okay. This really did. It was just a really good, encouraging read. So those are three. They're going to be in the show notes. Uh, pick up one. If you're interested in one, uh, pick up all three. If you're just want to deep dive into Paul, it's a great little starter pack to understand who this man is. Okay. So we're asking the question today, who is Paul? Um, let's talk about some of the things we know of Paul. Now, know that Perry and I um, have a scholarly background. We've dug deep into the text. Um, we're being called by God to do this. It's a delight. Um, and we still don't know
1: everything about Paul. <laughs> Not and even is, close. And is man. Paul sometimes confusing to you? Uh only when I read them or think about them.
0: <laughs> that is a very honest response. Um, Paul's a very complex human being.
1: Yeah, amen uh,
0: understa- yeah. Understatement of the day or in the podcast. Yeah. But okay, so who is Paul? Let's start with his his sort of childhood and upbringing. For those who don't know, um, Paul was born
1: in Tarsus. What do we know about Tarsus, Perry? Uh, Tarsus was a, a city that, was um, influential you could say that Tarsus was a city um, that was a had a lot of the greco-roman influence in it. So Paul's growing up in a climate that is probably closer to the greco-roman side of things than the Jewish side of things and right even there you get into a place where you kind of have to stop and unpack what that means so you know during this, this time period in the first century, you have the major influence of the Roman empire, which is itself influenced heavily by the Greco empire before it. So you get um, a lot of things like pantheism, um, this idea of multiple gods and the influence of the philosophers. And um, incidentally, we'll see some of that surface now in the second half of Acts 17 that we'll be in this week, this coming, this coming week. But Um, You have a climate that is very much oriented towards Rome and is focused on the Roman emperor and the empire of Rome. And so Tarsus is an influential city that's a part of all of that. Um, And Paul is growing up right in the heart of it. And so, a lot of the ideas that are floating through the culture of that time period would be the kind of ideas that Paul would have been introduced to at a very young age and would have grown up around.
0: Yeah, a little brief sketch of that city. It's the third largest city in the Greco-Roman Empire, um, and compared to Athens, and what's the second one? I believe it was Alexandria. Alexandria. And um, it was an epicenter of one particular philosophy called Stoicism. And Stoicism is a very logical philosophy that relates to the natural order of life and of the world. And um, a very interesting, wonderful philosophy that Paul would have been introduced to as he was there. And you can actually see some of that logic, some of that meticulous um, ordering of things when you read the book of Romans. Or uh, you read his arguments for the natural order of the world um, Paul is very influenced by some of the culture in which he was raised in.
1: Yeah, definitely. And as we just said a second ago, this is, I'm quoting from a professor um, named Craig Blomberg, and some of you might be familiar with his name. He teaches at Denver Seminary, but he just cites here in his book from Pentecost to Patmos. Um, he's talking about Paul, and he said that, he he says that Tarsus is a city that Um, Right next to Athens and Alexandria, like Jay just mentioned a minute minute ago, would have been the third largest center of Greek culture and university life in the first century Mediterranean world. So Paul has that side um, that's certainly influencing him. But then, Jay, he also has another set of influences in his life too, right?
0: Yeah, in Philippians 3, 5, he describes himself as circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew born of Hebrews. So Paul has this very unique stance in the world with his father being a Roman citizen. We get that from sort of his plea in Acts to that he shouldn't uh, be put to death without a Roman trial, mm-hmm. which is a very important moment right. for him and which God uses to take him to the rest of the world, amazingly enough. Um, but he is also a Hebrew and uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. And what that means is that um, he was deeply influenced by this Hebraic life, yeah, which is filled with what kind of things? What would he expect as a, a boy?
1: Well, one of the things that, that Paul was headed towards um, that we find out about in um, the book of Galatians and we find out in Acts itself and other parts of the New Testament is that Paul was was headed towards becoming a Pharisee. He was headed towards being a rabbi, of spending his life in those kinds of um, pathways. And so um, just if you're not familiar with the idea of being a Pharisee, the Pharisees are a group of Jewish men who were staunch um, memorizers and um, followers of the law, of the, the old what we call today the Old Testament Torah. But... Um, Paul had studied under a man in Jerusalem named Gamaliel. And Gamaliel is kind of like Paul's rabbi, not kind of, he is. And Paul is on the path to become a rabbi himself, somebody who would follow, um, who others would follow, similar to how the um, apostles followed Jesus. That um, you see this practice within Judaism where um, a group of people, would younger people would follow a rabbi, a teacher, And Paul did that. He was in that role under a man named Gamaliel. So Paul was somebody who was very familiar. He was thoroughly indoctrinated into the Jewish religious way of life and um, knew the law frontwards and backwards.
0: Yeah, so this is how this possibly could apply to your everyday lived life. Paul has this influence, these religious influences, these cultural influences that we all have, that we all bring to when we come to follow Christ. And Christ doesn't say just leave those behind because he's never going to use them again. He uses those influence, those stories to really shape the kingdom of God later on in your life. So, you know, like take me, for example, I am a a son of a, a father and mother who got a divorce. I didn't realize when I came to know Christ that God would use that story to reach a bunch of other people that were in that similar story. And so Paul, what Paul's doing is, and what God's doing through Paul is he's using Paul's background, his culture, his expectations, his deep religious life to really help the church flourish in the, in the first century. And what is he using in your story? What, what are your stories? What are the things that you regret? What are the things that make you sad? What are the things that has caused you grief? God's going to use those things for his glory. He uses
1: all that material to bring about his story in your life. Yeah, I think that is a point that we should just camp out on for a while because um, there are certainly things that, that we might think that are from our past. Maybe it's where we grew up. Maybe it's the socioeconomic bracket we grew up in. Maybe it's um, just kind of the ideas we had growing up that our family held to. Or maybe we're just ashamed of our past because of what it meant of what happened in our past but we serve a god who can redeem those things and use those things in powerful ways and i think that you know when we read paul and we hear him refer to himself as the greatest of sinners i think paul paul knows exactly just what it is to live a life that's contrary to God's ways, but yet God's grace was so powerfully at work in Paul's life that God was able to use Paul. Even those experiences that were contrary to God's grace, or contrary to God's ways, rather, um, and God would use those things to enable Paul to minister in ways that were powerful and that were um, things that allowed him to maybe reach people who most other people in his day wouldn't have been able to speak to.
0: Yeah. God uses all of our stories, and uh, we can't ever forget that or be ashamed of those things because um, you never know what God's going to use. Okay, so here we are in Acts. The landscape of this book is really interesting. One of the craziest things for me in my reading of Acts early on in my faith was how long actually the timeline is of Acts. Not necessarily. If you read Acts and as if you are reading along with us from week to week, we're we're going to be in the second half of Acts seventeen this week, but the timeline of these stories and sort of the historical outline is a lot longer than we expect. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the things that I really think is really interesting about Paul um, is just what he tells us in Galatians of his timeline from being converted um, in Damascus on his way to um, to persecute Christians to when he starts his sort of missionary journey. And if you get a rough sketch in Galatians that it could be possibly longer than we expect. Um, some scholars think it's less than probably seven years. As you read literally like a plain reading of Galatians, you get sort of a 17 to 18 year timeline. So let's let's look at this. In Galatians 117 we read that after his conversion, he spends three years in uh, Arabia and Damascus, and he spends 15 days in Jerusalem with this guy named Caiaphas, and
1: P- uh, Perry, who is Caiaphas? Um, I believe you're referring to Cephas. Sorry, Cephas, yes, Cephas. Yeah. So Cephas is just another name for the apostle Peter, and um, it says in here, in verse eighteen of Galatians one, then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days, um, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Cephas is the other name for for the apostle Peter, and um, you know that's just another issue that we see playing out here in multiple ways. Why does Peter have more than one name? Why does Paul have more than one name? In this day, it was not uncommon for the same person to have up to three different names, and we won't go down that rabbit trail. But um, so Cephas is is referred to here by by Paul as being somebody that he referred to and um, wanted to spend time with. And you know, one of the one of the motivations behind that is so that Paul can make sure that he is that the gospel that he is preaching is, in fact, the gospel as Peter understands as well so that they can cross-check each other and make sure that Paul's preaching is sound as Paul has been away from kind of these major figures who actually stood in Jesus's shadow during his earthly ministry.
0: Yeah, that's a great reminder. And then after these three years and 15 days, he goes back out to Syria, um, back home to his sort of region, uh... Sicilia and he is, or Sicilia, whatever you Silesia. Will, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he spends 14 years back in sort of this, I would call a spiritual darkness time, right? Spiritual desert, maybe even, where he sort of, I would expect, or I think um, maybe it's a better way to say this, is um, him really working out his faith, really living out the gospel, making sure it's true and God's not yet ready to put him in the shoes that we find him in, in Acts.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to know exactly all of the details and even the sequence of everything that's unfolding in in the summary, like out of Galatians, because it is that. It's just a summary. And then we get another summary, like, for example, in Acts chapter 9, when, um, when Luke is recounting Saul's conversion. Um, so you try to put those pieces together and it can be confusing in the process of trying to figure out which piece goes where, but the point stands for sure that Paul experienced the ups and downs of faith, just like we do. And that Paul had those moments of feeling isolated and alone at times. And Paul knew also what it was like to be in great fellowship with other people and to experience the confidence that comes from being in community with other people. But you see here how um, Paul certainly was on a journey that took him to different places, including back to Jerusalem in order to be around the people who actually experienced um, the, the ministry of Jesus firsthand.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. So he's 14 years out in this, this time we don't know. And it reminds me that um, even though sometimes we have a conversion story 20 years ago, that Jesus still can call you to ministry. He still can call you to a great work. He can still call you to a, new, a great story that you don't even know yet. So, you know, you might be sitting in the pew and seeing these people that preach on a Sunday or meeting these um, incredible people of faith and think, Jesus is never going to use me in that way. You just never know when the time is that Christ really wants to use you for his glory and Paul reminds us that, that even in Galatians is that um, this is a long period of time. And from his conversion, this um, miraculous conversion from his story as a human being in general um, to when he starts on his first missionary journey is quite a long time. And the the point of that is Jesus can use you no matter what, no matter if you've been used um, in the last day or used in the last 20 years. Um You just got to stay faithful to what God's doing in your world, what God's doing in your life. Okay, let's take a break real quick. As we talk about, I want to talk about um, what's coming up here at Calvary recently in in the near future that we want you to be a part of. First, if you go to calvarybible.com slash at home, you're going to find out all the information for you to get connected in a home group. If you're not connected in a home group right now this is a great opportunity for you to jump into the community of faith just like we're talking about in the life of paul to be encouraged to be uh, challenged to pray with to examine the scriptures with a community that points you to jesus you can check out all that at calvarybible.com at slash at home we would love to get you connected in a home group what god's doing here at calvary in this season also if you haven't made the step into membership here at calvary Membership class is happening very soon. So you can go to calvarybible.com slash membership and find out all the information. Sign up today. You do not want to miss out on jumping in to a a bigger commitment of what God's doing here at Calvary, participating. You won't get a membership jacket, but but, um, we want you to be a part of uh, really the body of believers here at Calvary in a very committed way. And there's no better thing to do than membership here at Calvary.
1: Do I get a parking space?
0: No parking space, my friend. Yeah. Okay, let's jump back. That was a little commercial break. How'd you like that, Perry? How'd Ooh, you like that? that
1: was refreshing.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about sort of the themes we see of Paul as we read later on in Acts, preparing ourselves for what's coming up Um themes that we might read uh, throughout sort of the epistles of Paul. So those are the writings of Paul, sort of his letters to local churches, local groups that he loved, knew and wanted to encourage. What are some of the themes that Paul's always sort of about?
1: Yeah, it's tough to distill it down, but um, I would say one thing that stands out about Paul is that Paul is intense in his faith. Um, Paul, is not anybody who's been confused with somebody being half-hearted. Paul is on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians when we meet him on that Damascus road, you know, and um, that is incredible to think that somebody is that passionate in their opposition towards another group of people that they would hit the road and literally, you know, you're walking in your sandals down a dusty road Probably it's hot out or cold out or who knows, um, but it's, it's uncomfortable probably for, would be uncomfortable for us. And you're on your way to persecute Christians. And it's really easy to knock Paul for that. Um, but Paul, you know, at that time is, has in his mind that he's doing the thing that's pleasing to God. And so Paul is doing that. And then immediately he has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus on that road and it begins an equal intensity in the opposite direction for Paul's life, and it sets his life literally on a whole new course. And then we see him maintain that same intensity or even a greater intensity, passion for Christ as he goes from city to city. I mean, this is a man who ends up being a victim of the same kind of intensity that he once displayed. As we see him chased out of cities like Thessalonica and then pursued into the next city, a Berea. Does that sound familiar? Pursuing Christians and or pursuing believers in another town. I mean, Paul ends up falling prey to that himself, and yet he he wipes literally shakes the dust off of himself and keeps going. And uh, this week we'll see him then move on to the city of Athens, and you know it's just this repetitive thing where Paul is continuously going out of his way, putting his life at risk to advance the gospel.
0: That's true. Another thing we see in Paul is the resurrection of Jesus. You hinted at this at the, his conversion where he encountered the resurrected Christ. Yeah. But the resurrection is super important. It should be super important for all of us. It's the pinnacle of which our faith hangs. Mm-hmm. Without a resurrection, there is no future hope of glory. And Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15, and that's a great chapter for you to read. That's a great devotional chapter. When you're on the ropes, read 1 Corinthians 15 because Paul declares that the resurrection is essential for his faith. And that's the good news of the gospel is that we serve a God who came, was man, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and was raised on the third day the Father in heaven given the stamp of approval that it was finished. It was sufficient for what all that Jesus had accomplished on the cross. Yeah. And so you, the theme of resurrection is super important for Paul and all of his letters. You're just going to see it over and over again. Once you think resurrection, you're going to see resurrection and all of his language. The cross is another more really important. He says it's folly to those who are perishing, mm-hmm. but it is the glorious News for us who who have been saved, and so the cross is another major, important, another thing that we don't see very often or think that maybe be in the background of Paul's writing is um, this sort of the the working of a legal legalism or law based faith towards a grace based faith, and he's the apostle of grace for sure in the sense of defining what really grace means to us.
1: Yeah. Definitely, you know, some have, have characterized what Paul came out of as a, kind of as a formula, faith in Christ, or these are, these are people who wanted to hold on kind of to their Jewish roots, um, people who are called the Judaizers, and they would hold on, they would say faith in Christ plus works of the law justifies us with God and justification just being God declaring us to be righteous before him where Paul is preaching the gospel as faith in Christ leads to our justification and not then works of the law, but works of the spirit. So Paul is preaching this message, this gospel of grace that is in contrast to even people who in his day and in his setting would would also agree, oh, yes, I know that we need to have faith in Christ, but we also need to hold on to these works of the law in order to please God. But Paul's saying, no, 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 it's faith alone um, because of God's grace. And, you know, you see the beautiful, beautiful picture of that in um, Ephesians where Paul says it's by grace we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast.
0: That's a beautiful way to explain Paul. Um, And another thing, maybe a cultural thing for us right now is Paul was always bumping up into the Gentile world, the Roman world, that Caesar was Lord, that everything hung upon Caesar and his rules and law. And Paul is coming here and saying, no, Christ is Lord, right? That this, this, this man, Caesar is not going to save you. He might, it might feel like a savior, but in the end, he's not going to save you. And so that's another just great reminder that, hey, we want you to get involved in your political season. We, we need Christians in the pol- politics. But we've also got to realize that like they won't save us. Only Christ will save us. Only Christ and his
1: kingdom is the true reign of God in the world. Yeah. I think, just like you said, Jay, it's easy for us to to think, well, nobody's walking around here in our streets today saying that the president or the government, the Republican Party, or the Democratic Party, or the independence of the world, um, that our own political philosophy is going to save us, or that it's Lord. None of us feels that way. But I don't think it's so out of the question to wonder if maybe we are putting too much hope in our politics of this day, or insert something other in that blank. Maybe it's not politics. Maybe it's my bank account. Maybe it's my, um, my job title. Maybe it's the state of happiness I experience in my relationships or success of my kids, the success of my kids fill in the blank. And those things can easily become in our own hearts, a kind of, lord for us that we follow and we substitute in place of christ and of course that's where um, immediately there's an impact that we need to be aware of and repent from to change
0: totally that's a great encouragement perry that um paul's sort of message is that too as you read his uh his works and his letters and you sort of get to know this this important figure in the christian life that he's, he's super encouraging. He might seem scary at first, but really Paul's message is so important and will bring and bless us and continue to transform us into the image of Christ. And Paul's all about that. Yeah. He wants that for every human being. Definitely. Okay, so we're, we're going to wrap up. Perry, I, I thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for jumping in on this special edition of Who is Paul? We hope that you're reading along with us. We're in Acts 17 this week. We're in the back half of Acts 17. Paul is going to a place called the Aragopagus, and this is in Athens and is the elite of the elite of philosophical tradition. Yeah. How fun is this passage? Oh, it's
1: awesome. It's awesome. And it, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, um, it'll remind you in some ways of what happened in the city of Lystra. However, the setting is very different. They're both pagan places, but um, one is more backwoods, country place, Lystra, and one is like high society of Athens. So, And Paul is on fun. his
0: way, and we want you to catch catch in, get involved, read along with us. Yeah. Acts 17 this week. I want to leave you with this. I was reading this this morning. Philippians 1, 3 through 3-5. This is a great encouragement from Paul, the man we've been talking about Um, He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer, my praying, my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. Hey, friends, as one of the pastors here at Calvary, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm thankful for the ministry that you do in the worlds that you live in, the spaces that you operate in know that we're praying for you, we miss you, we're so thankful for the partnership we have in the gospel together, that Paul had in the gospel with us, and so take heart, my friends, that you're loved, you're cared for, you're known, and we just want to bless the socks off of you, and know that God is still God, Jesus is still on his throne, he was raised on the third day, and may we go and live like that.